Hi there, my name is Craig Merriman with Focus on the Patient podcast. We are very happy to have you listening in. In today's episode, we highlight Terry Cudi of the Deep Sea Foundation. Terry educates breast cancer patients based on her own experience from being a two-time survivor. Here at Focus on the Patient, we believe the patient's needs come first. Many who get diagnosed are in unknown territory. There is fear, emotional trauma, questions, and confusion. That's where the Deep Sea Foundation helps step in to educate newly diagnosed patients on the journey that they are about to begin. Humans helping humans, that's what we're about. And we highlight those who are aligned the same way. Here it is, episode two. Please enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Focus on the Patient podcast, where we are exploring standards of excellence in healthcare, particularly focused in the cancer setting. With me today, we have Terry Guti from Deep Sea Foundation. For this episode, we are going to explore empowerment through education. Welcome, Terry, and thank you for being on the podcast. Aubrey, thank you for having me. Very thrilled to be here. Absolutely. We're, we're absolutely honored to have you, Terry. Um, and before we begin, why don't you Thank tell you. us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm a trained certified ESL uh, instructor, teacher by profession. So I have truly empowered and, and realized the value of what education can bring to individuals. And I was actually in my... <laughs> you know, reaching a personal goal of going back to school and working on a uh, advanced degree in education. Um, And I had a second breast cancer diagnosis. And so I took that training and and value of of my education. And then I, I turned it around and did kind of a 180 and started educating on a different level. I educate breast cancer patients based on my own personal experience, having had breast cancer twice. So I truly believe in what education can do to empower the individual. So very happy to talk about this today with you, Aubrey. As as are we, this is a a topic that's near and dear to, to my heart. Um, and as, as many of us unfortunately know, and thank you for sharing a little bit of your personal story as well, just a cancer diagnosis can be paralyzing. And so when we talk about education, um, we recognize that we're, we're working with a unique group of individuals who are already not only mentally compromised, but, you know, one can argue also mentally, uh, physically as well as mentally compromised, um, we heard in the last episode with Brad Power with Cancer Hacker Lab that a person who is recently diagnosed goes from really not needing to know to suddenly needing to know a lot of information. So it's this it's this really perfect storm in the context of needing to be educated, not always having the capability uh, to be educated. And I would just love to understand, particularly with your background and with your training, how you think about education in this really unique space and and somewhat trying and difficult time within an individual um, journey. That is is such a powerful statement that you made, Aubrey, because our lives, for those of us who are diagnosed with any type of cancer or 
if you are in what I call the tribe or the family, the community of someone who is diagnosed with cancer, all of a sudden you enter into a world idea, what terms are, what treatment options are, how they're going to affect your life long-term and in the uh, immediate future. And so to be able to understand all of these terms can be extremely overwhelming. It can be emotionally draining. So, you know, how is it that we go about moving beyond that, that fear, you know, that gripping fear that you have of the cancer diagnosis and starting to learn those terms? Where do you find those resources? Um, and I think the big thing here is where do you find those trusted resources? Because we can all jump on the internet and start typing in, you know, we can look at a lab report and we can start typing in terms, or we can type in the word breast cancer or emotional recovery, and you come up with just a plethora of things. So I think the important thing and the value added to patients is to find trusted, reliable resources. Because really, we know that, that, that studies show when patients have the right, the correct evidence-based information, it makes them feel more in control. It makes them feel more like they have, they have a buy-in to their treatment plan moving forward. And so, you know, there, there is true value added in educating the patient about all these terms and all this emotional trauma that they're going to go through when they have uh, cancer or in my case, breast cancer twice. That's a, that's a great point. And I think that one of the things that resonated with me um, was your mention of control. I think recognizing that an initial diagnosis or even subsequent, I, I should add, diagnoses often puts a, an individual right into that feeling of lack of control. And that's a very scary, fearful, dark place. Um, and the WHO's definition of patient empowerment is enabling a person to have greater control over the decisions and actions impacting their care. And I, I just don't think that we can get there without, without education, but also being sensitive to that um, emotional uh, tax, that, that emotional trauma that you had just highlighted. So um, that, that really resonated for me. I'd like to jump actually to how about Deep Sea Foundation? And for those of you who are listening, I'll spell it out just because I want to make sure and we'll, we'll include it um, on, on our blog, et cetera. But it's diepcfoundation.org. How did you start? Where are you now? And, and what do we get to look forward to moving forward? 
Well, thank you for asking. And I particularly am happy that you spelled it out, uh, Aubrey, because the DEEP, the D-I-E-P, is the reconstructive procedure that I had, breast reconstruction procedure that I had after I had my double mastectomy. And I will briefly tell you about that. The C is the first initial of my last name. So Deep Sea Foundation uh, came about through my experience with successful deep flap breast reconstruction. I was diagnosed in 2002 the first time. Then I had a, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do according to all of my, uh, what my healthcare team recommended. But, you know, breast cancer has a mind of its own. We, we just don't know what can happen down the road, even when you do everything you are asked to do. I had a recurrence in 2014 uh, in my left breast, a new primary in my right breast. And because of that, I had to have a double mastectomy. My breast surgeon, who was very well connected, very well informed, told me about all of my options for breast reconstruction. And what resonated what resonated with me was when she told me about deep flap, which is using your own tummy tissue, the underlying uh, skin, fat, and blood vessels. And you actually, uh, a microsurgeon takes that area, disconnects it, and reconnects it to the breast area reconnecting the blood vessels uh, in many cases, and in my case, uh, nerves. And so I have soft, warm breasts that are very identical to the breasts that I lost from from, uh, breast cancer. And I also have feeling in my breast. So um, I, I started the foundation after or I guess really during my recovery from this deep flap surgery, I was so amazed by the entire process that I went through. And because I was so fortunate to have both a breast surgeon and a plastic microsurgeon who embraced the shared decision-making model, they listened to what my desires were, what my preferences were, what my values were. I thought, you know, as an educator, there's something I can do with this. So my reconstructive surgery was in December of 2014. And in January, when I came back, I did a 180 and I said, you know, I think I'll begin writing a blog about this. If I connect on social media, then I can reach a broader audience. A year later, just through the development and the outreach that I was doing, my reconstructive surgeon gave me a call one day and said, you should be opening a foundation so you can reach more people. It seemed overwhelming to me at the time, but then my son, uh, our our oldest son, encouraged me also to start the foundation. So it was really, um, it was really a year and a half after I had my surgery that I decided to open the foundation. And I have to tell you, Aubrey, it's, I realized that when I began writing my blog, it was my story, right? It was my story I was sharing. 
to reach a broader audience and to hopefully educate women and men by telling my story. Stories are ancient tools for all of us to gather and listen to each other. We've been doing it for, you know, centuries. So I began telling my story, but then I found out that by opening a nonprofit foundation and connecting with global patients, with global surgeons, with global thought leaders who really embrace the shared decision-making model and educating patients on evidence-based information. This isn't my story anymore. This is everybody's story. It's the story of patients who haven't always had the best experiences. Uh, It's about patients who have had seamless experiences like myself It's about surgeons who are in this community, learning from each other, learning from patients. And what I really have intended to do and and feel that we have accomplished with the foundation is establishing this global community of learning. When we all listen to each other, listen to uh, what we have been through and learn from each other, not just listen, but learn, then it it can, and I've seen it result. I've seen it turn around patients who have had better experiences from sharing this education and these lived experiences. So you know, what is my, what is my hope as we grow and continue just to promote, to promote this on a global level, to promote the power of educating patients on a global level, but also to, to keep making these important and powerful connections because, you know, I, I just never know. I never know in this realm one patient could result in reaching a hundred patients through through a strong advocate reaching out and 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 educating each other it it just it forms these ripples in the water and and really shows the power of what education and listening to each other <clears throat> can do so <clears throat> that is my continued hope uh, for the foundation is that that we can just keep doing this on a global level and and improve patient care through listening and educating each other. Absolutely. And I, I think that one of the thing that things that really encourages me and excites me is that this is what excellence looks like. It's it's enabling those that are a little bit farther on a path to be able to give back in perspective in an effort to help those after them. And to your point, it's that translation of not only having, let's say, a platform to communicate your story and to your point, the evolution of going from communicating your story to actually creating a platform for others to share their stories 
is absolutely amazing. But being able to take that and know the ripple effect that it actually can cause in the context of not only helping, uh, let's say, the patients of today, but also benefiting the patients of tomorrow and what a, a true gift that is. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's 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 incredible. Um, and I think we we highlighted Absolutely. it a little bit, but how how do you think about that translation of education to empowerment? And what I'd like to do is is actually get a little bit dry here and ask you, how do you measure impact? How do you measure the fact that we're able to move the needle? And I think that you know, that's actually one thing that I that I struggle with is that our intent is always so pure. But how do we take, you know, perhaps that evidence-based approach in the context of really establishing the metrics around empowerment? How do we how do we hold ourselves accountable to say, are we are we scaling in the way that we want to scale? And I would love to just understand your thoughts in the context of, you know, with education, that's often the intervention. And how do you how do you measure success around that? Yeah, well, that that's a that's an extremely uh, important question, Aubrey. And I personally measure success from feedback that I get both from patients and from uh, you know the broader community of of surgeons when I. When I get messages from surgeons who say to me, thank you for what you're doing. I'm not patting myself on the back here. This is the power of community and education and listening. Thank you for what you're doing because my patient came in today completely prepared and the time was cut in half in consult because they came in prepared because of the education provided. Those are measurable items right there. When, when our healthcare system is so strained right now, financially, on so many levels, and one of them is time constraints. We simply don't have the time to spend with our healthcare providers that we wish we had. But if we can circumvent what patients are, what they need, if we give to them the specific questions to ask, organizing those questions into a, a, a careful format so that they go into a consult prepared, and, and this can be across any healthcare system, go into a consult prepared with questions that are evidence-based, with the proper vocabulary, and help them understand what that vocabulary is, but also empower them to ask questions when they're in their consult, it is translating into more efficient time in their consultation with their healthcare provider. And also, it gives them buy-in with their um, out, you know, their treatment and their outcomes become better because when they are a part of their decision-making and you, you've, you've given them all this education and, and information, they go in feeling empowered. They go in 
ready to have this consult. We know firsthand from studies that patient outcomes are better. They're more compliant patients. They understand what the risks and benefits are to any treatment or surgery. So, you know, to me, the metrics, my personal metrics are measured when I hear these stories, not only from patients, but I hear it from surgeons too. And what the value of providing these platforms and these communities of learning have, we can't just provide, we can't just provide, you know, platforms of learning without providing tools either. So, so with this education, all comes the sharing of, you know, tools that patients can use to help them in their decision process. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, I find incredibly exciting about this space is that intersection where doing what's right for the patient, creating that avenue of education and empowerment down to that individual creates incredible efficiencies, not just for that patient, but also for the health system and the broader ecosystem as well. And so it's not, it it goes beyond um, doing what's right, but it's also it, it, it's much deeper than that in the context of creating that that network effect, that ripple of not only being able to truly create just a, an amazing patient experience, but knowing that that translates into improved quality, improved longevity, decreased, uh, let's say, um, you know, potential side effects. There's there's just there's a massive amount of efficiencies that are created. Uh, beyond just that improved patient experience where we can, you know, truly also improve patient outcomes and decreased uh, waste in the system. And so what a, what an honor to be able to lean in in this space. Um, Oh, yes. Yes. I think it's kind of really in some ways, Aubrey, I see this as three tiered. So first of all, you know, we provide the education Secondly, we help understand the terms, right? We give them the correct vocabulary. I think the final component of this is to allow patients to be, to, to give them the permission to be empowered because, you know, with all of our, all of our nuances in cultural diversity, in healthcare disparities, not everyone not everyone communicates or it can communicate with the healthcare provider on a level that really reflects shared decision making so i think sometimes you know it the, the the last loop in this is to actually give that patient permission to say this is a lifelong decision you are going to make you as a consumer patient have the power to have this type of conversation and to use this measure of education, ask these kind of questions to your healthcare provider because it will it will make a difference in your outcomes. Absolutely. 
I, I just wrote down permission to be empowered. That's such a critical, critical aspect. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's fantastic, Terry. Thank you. So I think mm-hmm. we're, we're going to go ahead and, and um, wrap up. I have just a few more, a few more questions for you, but first off, thank you for such a phenomenal interview today. It was just an absolute treat to feature the amazing work that you're doing with Deep Sea Foundation. And I'll also just highlight, and I really appreciate the genesis of, of the spelling of Deep Sea. Again, again, it's D-I-E-P-C, but there's also um, a play on words of Deep Sea where a, a diagnosis um, you know, throws you into this deep sea, right? D-E-E-P-S-E-A. And, and there's a mm-hmm. recognition in terms of, uh, you know, what sort of resources and education and tools and resources are available to help you in that situation. And so I just, that, that, I don't know if that was part of your, your thinking behind the name, but it, it, it resonated with me in terms of that, that play on words and what it sounds like. Um, well, if- I like that, Aubrey. It has, it has a lot of uh, meaning to me in very many ways. So thank you for that. That's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And Terry, if anyone wants to actually learn more, what, what, what would be the best way to reach you? I, you know, I have several platforms and resources. I, I like to call us a 24 seven access uh, educational <laughs> platform. And so you can go to our website at deepcfoundation.org, D-I-E-P-C, the letter C, foundation.org. On that site, you can also see my blog, which is deepseajourney.com. We now curate a, um, a podcast, and that's the Deep Sea Journey podcast on all platforms. We also are on Pinterest, Instagram, most of those are under Deep Sea Foundation. <clears throat> Twitter, I kept my educational uh, name and it's at the numeral six S T A T E, six states, since I had teaching certificates in six states. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Terry Kuti. So those, those are kind of the uh, Oh, and we have we also have a YouTube channel under Deep Sea Foundation. So all those are all the educational resources that we provide. I invite folks to dive into those because as I said, it's really your 24-7 access to listen, to watch, and uh, to share with us what what we can do to help you or or the the uh, resources we have and provide to, to help you out. So. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Um, I, I have quite a lot of notes, but I think one of my favorites was to just enable the, the permission to be empowered and recognizing the, the power of going from not just listening, but truly learning and creating that ripple effect. So thank you for, for being our second guest on the focus on the patient podcast and before we sign off, I'd like to just ask you, are there any final remarks or a call to action that you would like to share? Yeah, call to action. If you are a patient, a healthcare provider, I encourage you to ask questions, take nothing off the table, listen, and learn from each other. 
it will empower you. This education will empower you to improve your healthcare. So I really want to thank you for the work you're doing, Aubrey. And I feel kind of special having uh, to be your second guest. So thank you very much for the invite today. My pleasure. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs>